that was the beginning of a wonderful journey, and I'm really grateful for that empty tank as it began uh, for me to have the opportunity to really observe Al as a leader, not only as a public figure, but also as a father, a husband, a legislator, and friend. Um, as all of you know, Al served from 1965 to 1977 in the Wyoming House of Representatives. He then served as U.S. Senator from Wyoming from 1979 to 1997, and during that time served many important roles, including Republican whip and leaders, leadership of many important committees. In 2010, he was appointed by President Obama to co-chair the National Commission on Fiscal Responsibility and Reform with De Democrat Erskine Bowles. As we find ourselves this evening on the precipice of an unknown future, I was reminded for myself about one of the most important ways that I saw Alan K. Simpson demonstrate both remarkable leadership and moral courage. It was October 14th, 1998, and my new husband and I had traveled to the steps of the United States Capitol to participate in a vigil after the death of Matthew Shepard. There were about 5,000 people in attendance. And I was deeply moved when Al's presence and communication that night alongside his dear friend, Ted Kennedy, uh, spoke with great moral courage despite the barbs from the audience and the very difficult situation as people projected assumptions onto him and who he was as a leader. Uh, I did, Al, you'll be happy to know, I did rely on a few uh, primary sources who said, Alan K. Simpson is a fiercely competitive, deeply opinionated lover of controversy. He has lived the value that his mother and many other mothers taught that hatred corrodes the container it's carried in. And as an antidote, he has been able to bridge great difficulty with magnificent humor and humanity. He and his wife, Anne, are lovers of the arts, of music, poetry, and I think probably most importantly, theater. And when I asked the most primary source, uh, Sue, today for how she would describe her father, she described him as a principled voice of reason that is able to recognize everyone's humanity. She finished by saying, that as we find ourselves in a world that is fractured, Al reminds me that if you start everything with love, everything might not be all right, but at least you will be. And with that, I am very honored to introduce Al Simpson. Well, I recorded that, Michelle, and play it at various occasions. <laughs> now, thank you, dear. Well, uh, thanks to, to Mandy, and uh, I'll shorten this up, uh, but I, uh, I wish I could. I can see you all. Uh, you can't see me. I have a nice shirt on and a sweater. And I, got dressed, I shaved, and it's just too bad you're missing it. That's all I can tell you because I looked like a damn wreck earlier in the day. Now, leadership. I think it's like a Supreme Court decision years ago it said, well, they spoke of pornography. He said, it's tough to define, but you'll know it when you see it. And I think that that's true with leadership. 
Uh, and of course, uh, those who serve as public leaders, uh, is if that were an Olympic event, it would be a, would be called a javelin catcher, because that's what you get when you're in public life, and there are people sitting right there who've been right there. Uh, but uh, there's another one in the book. I'll get it out of the way first. If you're going to go into leadership, hopefully you'll have an amiable companion to assist you. Gisi, where the hell have you been? I just see him come on there. His old man and I were in the legislature together. We're in Gisi. Ah, I don't want to tell anything more about it. Anyway, an amiable companion makes all the difference. When you have one of those horrible days, public life and and a former president hoover they said what's what's the worst job of the presidency he said it's the constant pneumatic hammer of human contact think about that one for a minute and how they do it how we do it i can't even remember but we did it and you, and you have to you have to take a lot of flack they're paying you and you better shut up, even though you'd like to lip off. And I often lipped off and got in a lot of trouble there. But you need someone to come home to, and either in Shakespearean prose or, or uh, George Carlin, uh, lyrical profanity, share that. And, and then in Wyoming, it's a strange thing. When you're in politics, you, you, you are a pair. You're Mike and Jane, you're Mark and Jenny, you're Matt and Carol, you're Dave and Nancy, or Cliff and Martha, or Ed and Casey Versa, or Stan and Bobby, don't ask me. It's crazy, but it's real. Anyway, leadership, it's tough to describe, easy to witness, and it's tough to do because it means you have to take a risk. And sometimes you gotta go against the grain. And I first did that with my own dear parents. In my own life, uh, I played football uh, at Wyoming, and I love the way Coach Bowl does it. I was a fat, lazy, knock-kneed kid with zits all over me, but I had determination and perseverance. Those are the keys. Let me recite to you the great little phrase, press on. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. So I served in the Wyoming legislature, took risks, sponsored an implied consent law. They said, you were the biggest beer drinker in Wyoming and now you're playing goody goody two shoes. I said, a lot of my old pals died from the booze on the highway and it's time to get serious. I a few people who frowned upon my early activities. I had a Budweiser tumor, but that's another thing. I don't I weigh 260. It was a strange tumor. Then I got into the legislature, and uh, they said, I want you to handle a bill on land use planning. I said, oh, that's great in Wyoming. I want to build a two-story purple outhouse on my property. By God, I will, and you can stuff it. And I said, well, I'll tell you, pal, uh, maybe they don't want to want two-story purple outhouse. Besides that, you should be in the bottom one of it. It didn't go well, but I did that. Uh, they said, don't try to expand the Northwest College District. You got to raise the taxes, everybody else 10%. I said, yeah, but we're going to put the whole county in the district, in the tax district, get their taxes, and they get in-district tuition. 
in the U.S. Senate, Senate, everything I touched was filled with emotion, fear, guilt, or racism. In immigration, I was called a xenophobe and a racist. I sponsored the Clean Air Act and called a soot-covered slob or a you know, guy with coal dust all over me. Uh, and uh, with veteran, I am a veteran, very proud of that. And I said, I don't know, we'll have to give the same benefits to a guy who served six months and never left Camp Beetle Bailey and doesn't know a mortar to from either end. To hell with that. It's stupid. Well, they all you had to do was be in six months. I said, no, we're going to change that to a year. I did. They were still hunting for me. I took on the AARP, monstrous organization, 37 million people bound together by airline discounts, insurance discounts, wheels, bathtubs, uh, investment deals, erectile dysfunction ads. Don't send them any money. They're not interested in anybody under 50. They, they don't care about humans, even their own children under 50. I've said that publicly many times. Leadership is about hard choices. You do your homework. That's the only way you can win in leadership because you're going to irritate so many people. You have to know more than the guys and the gals who haven't done their homework and are using emotion, fear, guilt, and racism on you. And they're good at it. And they know just how to fire the troops. Uh, and the only way you can beat them back is with facts. And the only way you can do that is prepare and prepare and prepare and prepare and do your homework and then some. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but no one is entitled to their own facts. You don't have to be some wizard to be a leader. Harry Truman once said, the world is run by C students. I was certainly a part of that happy band. But you have to make up for any lacks you have with dogged determination, guts, energy, spirit, and humor. There it is again. Michelle is so correct. Also, humor throws off the opposition. You can be in a meeting and you start using humor. Go look at the movie Lincoln. And one guy said, do we have to go back in there and listen to that skinny looking boob uh, telling some parable about something? They said, yeah, that's what he does. And that's what he did. And that's one of the ways he helped save the nation. But that's an old phrase, but humor is the universal solvent against the abrasive elements of life. Leadership traits, the best one. You gotta be firm, you gotta be fair, you gotta be loyal. Loyalty is the L word of life. And it's so tough to sometimes have to do something, especially when someone has violated your trust or your confidence or you in turn may have done it to them. We weren't placed here on earth to ask and receive. We were here to we were here to 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 get in the game, to give in order to get. And you have to have integrity. If you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. And 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 if you do have integrity, nothing else matters. It's that simple. You can play the violin in any way you want to or try to look yourself away from the mirror. But it has a duty to lead. You have to have a deep faith in yourself. And I mean deep, because sometimes you're taking it and you look at the wall at 2 a.m. and you've been savage. I turn to Anna and say, you know, this sons of bitches are driving me crazy. And she'd say, well, what are you gonna do about it? I said, they're distorting who I am. Never let anybody distort who you are. 
You're entitled to be called a fool, boob, idiot, bonehead, all the nasty things, but never, ever let someone distort who you are. And when that happened to me, remember, an attack unanswered is an attack agreed to. An attack unanswered is an attack believed, which is bad. But when it's agreed to, you say, well, nobody believes that about Simpson. It's absurd. B.S. They believe anything, anything today in these times. And look at the great leaders of America, either military or others. Look at George Washington in McCullough's great book, 1776. Lincoln. Who wasn't a military man but led this great military camp, like Eisenhower, who in just a few days will celebrate D Day, where he sent thousands of beautiful young men, then men, to die. And they knew it when they got in those boats in Normandy that they would be dead at night. And that's what Ike did. But he had a great faith, all of them did. People who don't have that faith never get it together. You will never get it together as a leader. I'm not talking about go get religion. I'm saying you have to know where to turn where you, when you don't know where to turn. Yeah, I know that sounds pretty corny, but you all learn that one. That is a truth, and I'm not preaching here. So a leader has to be a believer. I believe in something higher, a believer in people, a believe that people he leads or she I'm using both, you know, he, she, we have to these days, I guess, you say they did them or something. I don't know what the hell that means, but I, I do know that I do know that I've got a wife and a mother and a daughter, and I understand these things. I'm not a clod. However, they do get absurd. Then that you have to have a belief in ethics and a belief in morality and a belief in yourself. I've said that. But in politics, all of us want to be loved. Oh boy, we want to be popular, and it ain't always going to work if you're a leader. Here's a powerful message my grandmother gave. She said, you have no enemies, you say. My friend, your boast is poor. For he who has entered the fray of duty, the brave endure, must have made foes. If he has none, small is the work that he has done. He has never cast a cup from a perjured lip. He has never struck a traitor on the hip. He has never turned a wrong to right. He has been a coward in the fight. So I learned that one from my grandmother. Well, it's a do-it-yourself job uh, to measure success in leadership, not just by what others think of us, but what we think of ourselves. And when we tend to look with envy or jealousy on someone else who seems tremendously successful or seems like a true leader, remember, there may be many trappings and appearances of success or leadership, and that may be only hollowness and heartache and reality. You can make all the bucks in the world and be a, quote, success, and be known as the greatest leader of our peers, and yet have a crappy marriage, a broken spirit, or a dysfunctional children, and be fooling the guy in the mirror. That's the way that works. Be careful what you wish for. And a final word about those of us who dabble in politics, this mysterious alchemy of politics. 
I always told my students, so you don't like politics and partisanship, do you? No, hell no, they say it's stupid, silly, banal, ugly, childish, negative, bizarre, irritating, even exhausting. So I'd tell them, look, then move to a country where they don't have any politics or partisanship and write me a note and tell me how much fun you're having. Loss of freedoms, loss of right of assembly, loss of freedom of speech itself. And then I give them the definition of politics. It shouldn't all be about politics, and you're going to ask anything about my life, personal, private, public. But here it is. In politics, there are no right answers. Only a continuing flow of compromises among groups, resulting in a changing, cloudy, and ambiguous series of public decisions where appetite and ambition compete openly with knowledge and wisdom. Try that baby on. It's all about that. Where and appetite and ambition, just look around, compete openly with knowledge and wisdom, and you will have to figure which ones are doing it. And never forget the risk factor. Let me share that definition of risk and wind her up, and then you fire away. This is critical. Just put this one in your head. To laugh is to risk appearing a fool. To weep is to risk appearing sentimental. To reach out for another is to risk involvement. To expose feelings is to, re is to risk rejection. To place your dreams before the crowd is to risk ridicule. To love is to risk not being loved in return, to go forward in the face of overwhelming odds is to risk failure. But risks must be taken because the greatest hazard in life is to risk nothing. The person who risks nothing, does nothing, has nothing, is nothing. He may avoid suffering and sorrow, but he cannot learn, feel, feel, change, grow, or love. Chained by his certitudes, he is a slave. He has forfeited his freedom. Only a person who takes risks is free. Well, that'll get you started, and then you can gin up anything you want on any subject. Thank you, and it came through the mic. Thank you, Senator Simpson. Um, that we have a version of round of applause that we do through video, which is the sign language sign for applause. So um, it's not nearly as exciting as a, a live version, but thank you um, for those wise words and for sharing some of your career and your lessons along the way. Um, so we, only, we have time for only a few questions and I think Coach Bull is on the call as well. So welcome Coach Bull, thank you for being here. Um, so we'll ask just a few questions of Senator Simpson before we transition over. Um, if you have a question, you can type it in the chat window. Uh, Sean Taylor from Cheyenne was wanting to say, uh, what's your take on the world today? I'm sure you can give a response to that in, you know, just a few, a few short minutes. Um, but what are your thoughts on the uncertainty we're facing amid COVID-19, riots and looting, elections? Um, how do we make sense of, of what's happening around us today? 
Well, first, uh, Coach Bull, if you want to really know, there's a guy, when you say, if you have integrity, nothing else matters. And if you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. There is one hell of a guy. People in Wyoming love him. He's direct. He's accessible. That's the key. When you're a public figure, and he is, oh boy, he's right up there with the governor and the president board of trustees of the university, and you in to play that game, you better be accessible. Better not be hiding in the john when they're looking for you. Anyway, I love the guy. I think he's terrific. But everything's a mess today. But don't forget, everything's been a mess in America for all of our history. I mean, how can you, how can you ever believe we were right or perfect? We were a mess. We had, we, we had a revolution. We had child labor. We had uh, robber barons. We had union struggles, haymarket riots, murder of union members, murder of men, on and on. A civil war which wiped out two and a half percent of the male population of America, brother against brother. So, We've always sorted it out and it will happen and we'll do it with ballots and not bullets. Other nations have figured out how to do it with bullets. We'll figure out how to do it with ballots. But there's a hell of a lot of difference today. Don't throw anything between a wonderful petitioner, a protester who came there to, to, to protest with lots of passion and heart and feeling and and zeal and enthusiasm. But when in the midst of the protesting ranks, uh, as they begin to go home for the evening, is a rent-a-truck, uh, and then six cars at the next intersection who cut off all the cordons so the cops can't get there, and then with shovels and hammers and tongs just start busting windows, there's a hell of a lot of difference between those kind of people. And it's tough to sort them out. And that's gonna be the real problem sorting them out but the national guard you know who would ever believe but that that's not the first time in america and don't forget abraham lincoln suspended habeas corpus would anyone like to shriek like a gut shot panther about abraham lincoln suspending this magnificent thing of habeas corpus we have the body or so you know it's terrible uh it's a mess uh, and uh, we're damn lucky to live uh, where we do. I think the governor's doing the best job he can. And when you ask, when your president asks you to send the National Guard for riot control so he can crush uh, uh, dissension in Washington, just say our National Guard is trained in field artillery. That's the 300th field artillery and logistics. They're not trained for riot control. Well, in fact, we're ready for lots of things in Wyoming right now. Flood control, things, all sorts of things where the guard is, is the governor's decision. But, you know, uh, if you think this is the first time this has all happened, then you ain't reading history. Okay, Senator Simpson, we have another question. Uh, from Taya True Wells in Casper, which is, could you share the story of how you met Leon Panetta and how we might learn to live and love others from the other side? Well, Leon Panetta and I met long ago. I can't remember when, but he was chief of staff of the President of the United States. And I was chair of various 
important committees, judiciary. We were doing immigration reform. We were doing Clean Air Act. We were doing, uh, oh, lots of stuff. And uh, so Leon called one day and he said, you know, your bill uh, that you passed out a committee the other day is at the White House. And uh, I tell you, pal, it ain't going to pass the way it looks. And I said, well, how will it pass, Leon? He said, well, go to, go to paragraph 15 and take out, out, and, take out take that. Out. And, uh, uh, and so I'd say, well, I think we could do that. I think we could take that out. And uh, then I'd say, but I tell you, we're going to have to leave this in. And if he doesn't like that, I, I can pull this bill down. And we negotiated what I could give up and he could give up. Uh, he took it back to the president. The president called me. He said, uh, it's a goal. Uh, Reagan was the same way. Uh, Reagan's attorney general tried to veto uh, the, the original immigration bill. And I called the president. I said, Ron, uh, is this true? He said, well, tell me what's happening. And I said, well, your attorney general says he's going to recommend you veto this. He said, oh, hell no. I'm not going to veto it. Send it on up. So I did have quite a visit with the Attorney General and his staff. Many of them said they never remembered anything like the lyrical profanity I rained on them and told them if they did that to me, they would never see a bill ever come to the floor of the U.S. Senate that had anything to do with the Justice Department. He kind of blinked like a frog in a hailstorm, and, and that storm passed. Okay, thank you. Um, well, I think we're going to transition over to Coach Bull and oh. Tanner Gentry here shortly. Do you have, you're welcome to stay on, Senator Simpson. And listen. I tell you, Bull, I got a question for you. I'm not answering. <laughs> I know this. Senator, you keep on, a lot of people don't know Senator Simpson was a great football player. Oh, yeah. He keeps on petitioning for one more play, and I keep on throwing his letters in the garbage. Well, you just remember all the great things you did, but your time has passed as a cowboy football player. It's gone. You, you called me when you came here and you said, have you had your nose rubbed down in that stadium grass and, and lettered? I said, I have. He said, I need to talk to you guys. <laughs> and I loved it. The Leading Wyoming podcast is possible thanks to the generous support of the Wyoming Dragicevich Foundation and the Wyoming Community Foundation. 